That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. You can't see, but Michelle was dancing for this one. And also, oh, I'm very well. Also, uh, Dr. David Miller is wearing a jaunty little flannel scarf today. (laughs) I thought it was a fashion full And I'm wearing a flannel shirt and somehow we match and it was very incidental, but it's just how energetically linked we are. We're just so cosmically linked, you know? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I went so full great. full girl on that one. Um, <laughs> we're so connected, Dave. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so, yeah. Jokes aside, come on, come on, partner. Jokes aside. So, so this week I had uh, a patient, and she was an initial visit, and she started working with me, and she right off right out of the gates, she was like, "I have SIBO, I have bloating, I have this, I have this," and everything for her related back to SIBO, where she'd worked with a previous naturopath on it. Even her doctor was on board to get her some medications and some of the antibiotics. But it feels like it's been a bit of a struggle for almost two years now, if I remember the timeline correctly. And uh, uh, the other ND she hasn't been able to work with because she moved recently, so she was looking for someone in the neighborhood, and she saw me, and you know, uh, saw that I had previous digestive woes and that that's my area of focus as a naturopath. So she wanted to work with me and she uh, got books about SIBO and this and blah, blah, blah. And I have allergies to garlic and onion and makes sense when I read the book and all these things. And in the back of my mind, as she was telling me her case history, I was like, yeah, yeah, you probably have stomach acid problems. You probably also have gallbladder problems. You probably have other microbes maybe happening. Maybe you have other food sensitivities. I think your stress response is to high end. And it became abundantly clear throughout the intake that it was grossly more than SIBO. But she Mm -hmm. came in insistent on SIBO. So it was a lot of Mm -hmm. re-education and helping her to understand. Yeah. And helping her to understand that there's so much more to the story that's keeping her in this weird holding pattern and that it's been well over a year. And she should have had resolution by now if it was only SIBO by having focused on SIBO to this point. So, yeah, SIBO, SIBO is like um, as, as soon as and it's, it's interesting because like what you say sort of mirrors what I've seen a lot of people come in. They're like, I've got SIBO and it's this and it's a, and that's related to SIBO and SIBO and SIBO. So the, so the people who are really into SIBO as a framework for working uh, their whatever functional or naturopathic medicine approach they've done a very good job of sort of educating the masses as to roughly what it is and i don't know if that's because it appeals to like 
um some because microbes are involved and people love you know like you know look how we did with covid like when there's a microbe my god watch people go buck people love people love a, a buzzy a, a buzz about a boogeyman to be fearful of like a we buzz love about a, a boogeyman we love a buzz about a boogeyman oh that's gonna maybe that should be the title <laughs> i'm gonna drop some rhymes after this so so when you got a buzz about a boogeyman um yeah, it kind of it infects your consciousness um, quite easily, and and it, it like I said, they have done a good job. They what who is they whatever they them have done a good job of um, like kind of getting us understanding that SIBO is a thing. Yes, um, and it is a it is a uh, condition of the small intestine where there's a there's too much bacteria. Cool. All right. Now, then what has happened is uh, that has lent itself to like a whole framework of thinking, which is like kill the bugs. Um, and and mm. yeah, so so there's good things about that. But but generally, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to lay it out here and maybe I'll be, you know, this is it's always weird. You might be proven so wrong someday. Right. When you record these things. But and that's OK. If yeah, I'm, I'm going to show okay me the evidence that. and I'll be open minded to it. Like, you know. Yeah. I'll be okay with that. But here's here's what I'm going to say. Generally, the vast majority of time, energy, and money spent on SIBO would be intelligently spent uh, otherwise in more, uh, I don't know, root cause or deeper understandings outside of the SIBO box than um, than like, what is the, what's the test now? Like, I don't know we're in we're in Ontario. Uh, I I haven't done tests in so long because I found them uh, not useful for. Uh, <laughs> they're expensive, and I don't. I'd rather people spend the money on like getting the the you know the good intake assessment and advice, and perhaps more um, precise uh, assessments and treatments. So, what's the cost of a SIBO test now? Two, three hundred bucks? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's been that. And long you're supposed since to I've do them. One. Yeah, right. Because you're, you're supposed to do them, monitor, 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 which is like, okay, so you're looking at it through one lens. And and it's not like it's wrong. It's just that it's so um, myopic when it comes to like the yeah. whole big picture. You know, I was I was on the here's the thing. Like you were saying, perhaps we say things today and a year from now, a few months from now, a decade from now, we're going to be proven wrong. So be it. Listen, I thought I knew stuff. And I thought I was the shit about certain things eight years ago. And I do things differently now because I know yeah. better. Right. Yeah. Um, and at one point I was really gung ho about SIBO. And you know why? Because I suffered from floating and it made a lot of sense for me. And it did become part of one of my protocols for recovering after a severe bout of like digestive issues and my health completely spiraling. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the only thing I did. But mm -hmm. because it did create a good amount of impact, uh, tangibly, uh, I did start to run with that a little bit more. And I did kind of get caught up in the SIBO thing for a while. Mm -hmm. That was probably like seven, six years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, but it but it wasn't only the only piece of the puzzle. And I sometimes forget about that. Right. Where during that time, because it because it gave more immediate, tangible response, like effect, I felt like it. I think I gave it more weight. But really, mm -hmm. it was the accumulative of all the other things that I was doing 
in addition to that, that really helps steer the course of action. Um, but it wasn't the only thing, like I had to work on my mental health. I had to start mm-hmm. working with a therapist. I had to start regulating my nervous system. I started meditating more. I started exercising more. I had to like completely scale back my diet to give my body a break and rebring back foods one at a time to allow it to heal. I did some parasite cleansing. I did some liver work, but mostly I had to work through grief mm-hmm. <laughs> and stress. <laughs> and that was, you know, so then I'd work on my stomach acid and it was, there was all these different things uh, and well, parasites. Listen, like it was, all, it was all there. Right. That's pretty cool about Siebel. I mean, now mm-hmm. give, give credit where it's due. Like I did again, like when Siebel was, you know, pretty hot topic in our, well, it still is kind of, that's why we're talking oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. And that's that's why we are softly trying to dissuade people from hyper focusing on it. That's the goal. Yeah. This, and the, the, without saying it's it's a useless framework, but they did give credit to uh low stomach acid. Yeah. They you did. Remember, yeah, yeah, I remember. And there was there was also um they. I keep saying they. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's okay. The the greater <laughs> they. Um it also made me more aware of asking about travelers, diarrheas, food poisoning, chronic infection, severe infections because of the enterotoxins and how that can cause autoimmune complexes that could lead to MMC dysregulation or dysfunction, which can lead to poor house cleaning properties that can lead to bacterial overgrowth. But the thing is, it's not the bacteria. That's not the main problem. And I think the, I think the problem, I think part of it is that a lot of times people stop there. And I found myself trapped in that. And even with the whole parasitic stuff that I work on, um, I started to almost get a little bit too entrapped by that even too, where it's all about eradicate, eradicate. And really you have to start asking the bigger question. But like we already said, we love a buzz around a boogeyman and we want to focus on that because it's easier to focus on that than all the other stuff that needs to be done. It's easier to think that there's one bad thing and you can just kill it and your problems will be solved. And I think as naturopaths with with clients who are feeling desperate with the symptoms that they have and feeling defeated and deflated and and frustrated by their symptoms, they want something tangible to hang their hat on and be uh, like, this is what I'm working, yeah. this is what I'm working towards. And it, and it, and it what does I want help. to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think I think that was part of the appeal and still is part of the appeal and always will be part of the appeal is that it's like, it sounds really scientific and, and like, um, you know, like grounded, like, okay, yeah. the bug thing, let's go. We got to, yeah. yeah, there we go. You know, whereas we know the truth is there's, you know, uh, with health, it's basically just a, a sum of integrating constantly moving probabilities, proclivities, and, uh, you know, Do you just have another like, P word. <laughs> I should think of one, but, uh, pot. <laughs> possibilities like really it's it's just like it's a constantly uh moving uh sort of probability clouds of all these things that are impacting in different ways it's not like a binary you got siebel you that's it (laughs) and you kill the bugs and then you're better you're done done But it I mean, in all fairness, so appealing. In all fairness, in 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 the courses, like, and I've still taken refresher courses on Seabooks. I was like, if there's more to be understood, and there's a better approach, and they're expanding on their ideas and understanding of this, I want to be aware of it as well. Because, like Dave mm-hmm. and I, we agree, it's it's valid 
as part of the equation, but it's not the only part that needs to be focused on, but it could very well be playing mm -hmm. a role. I want to be up to date on what the research and science is saying on these things. Um, but they mm -hmm. do talk about, you know, stomach acid. There were hints about bile, but I think with my personal experience, I feel like there might be a little bit more weight to that. And we'll, we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, and there was a lot with MMC and possible previous infections. And they do talk about restimulating the mitigating motor complex and what people can do and their habits that they can do to prevent this from becoming a problem again. So that should not be taken for granted. It's not just the killing the bugs part, but, um, I think that a lot of people get to that phase. And I think the hard part is also when patients start, start feeling a relief of symptoms, there's less motivation for them to continue with like the tying up the loose ends after math with how do we manage your mitigating motor complex? How do we uh, improve peristalsis? How do we improve stomach acid? Cause they're like, well, my bloating's gone. That was my biggest issue. So th they don't always, they think that they're better. And I think that's a big misconception too. So I think for physicians listening out there, it's always really important to communicate with your patients that what your step one is, but what the step two, three, and four and five is to really solidify the efforts you've made for sustainability. Because otherwise- yeah, it just keeps coming back. <laughs> I'd say that migrating that migrating motor complex, uh, that framework never worked for me. Um, and I find the framework of working with the stomach as the major controller of motility of the entire digestive tract about 10 times, 100 times more effective. Yeah. So that and that's that's a simple sort of... Um, you know, fix. I, I mean, the, again, migrating motor complex sounds really scientific. And like we know about we learned about it in, you know, in naturopathic college. And yeah, we, we're going to stimulate that. Well, I mean, okay, easier said than done. And by the way, where are you putting where are you putting everything to treat SIBO in your stomach? Your stomach. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I love me a ginger, I love a globarda choke. But guess what ginger stimulates your digestive juices and globarda choke stimulates your bile and it's in certain mitigating water complex formulas. <laughs> <laughs> and gut motility formulas. And then my and they work do a with, ton of other stuff too. Yeah. Right? And my work with gallbladder health has also improved people's digestive stuff. They came to me with reflux and bloating and lo and behold, a good significant part of those symptoms reduced by supporting proper bile flow and good quality mm -hmm. bile and unplugging the ducts and possibly purging stones. Mm -hmm. I had one woman who had bloating all the way up to the top of her rib cage. It was wild. And she ended up passing some stones and comes to me and we were doing C we were doing SIBO and we were doing what else we were doing. We were doing reflux support and we were doing SIBO and it felt, and, and I felt like I was, she was on so many different things. And even I was like, this is frustrating. Like I can't in good conscience have you on this. I feel like we're just playing whack-a-mole. And so I told her that. And then when I started learning more about gallbladder stuff, I, she's a, she's a badass client and she's super down for everything. And she was one of the first people I started implementing some more gallbladder work with. And she came to me with this look on her face being like, I don't know what came out of me and plunked into the toilet. She's like, but the bloating up to my rib cage, she's like, it is significantly reduced. And she's like, I had no idea I had a stone. And then her Ooh. reflux got better. And I didn't have to have her on a SIBO protocol and I don't have to have her on a reflux protocol anymore. Yeah, it was, cool. it was almost within two rounds of doing some gallbladder flushes 
that I could take her off of like 80% of her supplements. Mm-hmm. And that was wow, a big deal. Yeah, that's really cool. Right. And then I think, I think with the gallbladder is there's been hints about it in SIBO programs, but they don't really give it a lot of weight. And like Dave, you asked me this, if I've noticed any significance and the, the honest truth to the audience is, is I don't really run a lot of SIBO tests because I find that if you look at that myopically, that's all you're going to find. And you focus on that where I find it's usually, I do more comprehensive testing that shows me fungus, that shows me parasites, that shows me detoxification issues, that shows me stomach acid problems, that looks at gallbladder health, that looks at all these other moving parts. I use more robust types of testing and I find a lot more stuff and I don't just focus on the C I don't just focus on SIBO. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to, to completely create a correlation, uh, to be like, yeah, I'm just treating for this person for SIBO, but then I did a gallbladder flush and this is the amount of difference that happened. Or here's the before and after with a breath test. If I've done mm-hmm. gallbladder work, however, your bile is also an antimicrobial. And if you have poor bile flow, then your natural antimicrobial and, in, in gut microbiome regulating property is going to be impaired. So I do think that it probably has more significance than most people realize, because even in our profession, I find that the gallbladder is not really supported as, you know, as, as much as it probably should be, or as completely as it should be. Yeah, that's, I can probably personally say that um, I'm guilty of uh, not knowing it as well as I should. What I did want, I did want to throw a couple analogies in because you can't, it's hard to get through an episode without me throwing a couple analogies in. Um, Or an alliteration, an analogy, you got all sorts of things today. Go for it. The, uh, and a funky, no, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a faux pas, this scarf, I think. I got scrubs on and a scarf and you said I look like something that's not like bad. But anyway, whatever. Jaunty. jaunty anyway, so, so the input to the small intestine includes the output of the mm-hmm. stomach and the, uh, the injection of the gallbladder's uh, contents and pancreatic contents and all that. We sort of let the pancreas, um, go under the radar here, but let's be honest, uh, the, the small intestinal content is a product of those antecedent uh structures before so we've got the the stomach and the gallbladder and and the and the liver and the pancreas doing all their thing before that so analogy here is sort of like the the if you want to create a good environment or if you want good inhabitants of an area you need to create a good environment it's very simple if you want to raise, you know, uh, good kids, you you raise them in the right sort of environment. If you want to make sure that a sort of like kid a kid is guaranteed to have some problems, then have some problems, you know, in the home and have some problems in their area. So the idea here is that um, the SIBO is like the inhabitants of the small intestine. They would not live there if they were in a perfect environment or like a idealized environment mm-hmm. with adequate blood flow, adequate movement time so is the motility are things moving fast enough um adequate you know fibers and adequate adequate basically adequate environmental factors that because they have a they they need a place to live and they need food and so if you have you know higher end food and and a and a place to live that's a little bit more conducive to healthy bugs than nasty bugs you're gonna have generally more good bugs 
Yeah. You know, so it's it is it is kind of as simple as that. It's like, or if you have a mouse problem, like if you only kill the mice, if you have mouse trap. So say say this is the SIBO thing we're gonna do here is we're just gonna kill. We're gonna give rifaximin and we're gonna give like candy backed and AR and BR and we're gonna just kill, kill, kill. So the same thing with mice, you just put a bunch of traps out. You still hole in your wall, and there's there's food for them. So they're gonna keep coming and you can keep killing them and they're gonna keep coming. So I mean, analogies aren't perfect, right? They're they're you know oversimplified at times. But the idea here is you need to create an environment, a terrain, which naturopaths have been talking about forever, a terrain which is conducive to the good guys thriving at least more than the bad guys. And I think that's um that's a really important uh uh point to put down. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a certain level of bringing down pathogenic loads, but it's not without improving the terrain and strengthening all those other and it, it, it's not without strengthening the armor around that area as well right it's like you got to mm. you, you have to get your defenses in a better shape as well it's not just about ki- killing the bad guys so uh i agree i agree okay. and that's where gallbladder health comes in and that's where stomach health comes in so for instance the new patient that came in it became blatantly obvious quite quickly in the appointment after she stopped talking about SIBO and I was able to start prompting for questions because she was very excited to tell me all her stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, um, what's your response to this? How soon after eating or different things? And there was different things that she just, she made like little comments. And I was like, oh, I don't think her stomach's working well. Right. And I just kept thinking for some reason, I kept going back to gastroctosis from like VM, from visceral manipulation stuff. Mm-hmm. And I explained that to her and she was like, oh, my osteopath has mentioned some things about this. Like keep working with that osteopath if they understand even a fraction of what mm-hmm. I'm saying right now. And then mm-hmm. I said, uh, we're not doing any antimicrobials. She are, she had some weird tooth infection and a root canal and had to be on antibiotics and her gut health has been wackadoodle since. And then she had some weird infection after that. So she's been on non-SIBO types of antibiotics. So I was like, have you tried S. Because most probiotics don't like her. She said, no. And I said, let's try. If it doesn't work well, don't keep taking it. We'll bring it back into play at another time in the, in the treatment plan. Well, let's try because mm-hmm. you need to protect your gut microbiome a little bit. And then I gave her a betaine challenge <laughs> mm-hmm. and I told her to drink more water and to put salt in her water to charge it up with some lemons um, and uh, create a nice little battery charged effect for her water and support her adrenal glands because she runs in overdrive and told her just to not eat a crap ton of like raw veggies for the moment, just to give her digestion a bit of a break, but to not dramatically change her digestion because I want to see how well her, her dietary habits. Cause I want to see how well the stomach acid starts to shift her symptoms mm-hmm. and we'll see, but that was literally it. She came to me raving about SIBO and I was like, no, we're going to work on your stomach acid first. And here's why. <laughs> and she was like, cool. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me before, <laughs> but yeah, she, had to- and- she totally had like undigested food particles in the stools too, which I was kind of like, yeah, that's a stomach problem. Yeah. Look, man, it, like that's not there. There's a, per- th- you know, there's a perfect example. Why are you worrying about SIBO when you've got undigested food in your stool yeah you gotta know when to to sort of pivot here guys and that's a really good one like I'm I'm glad you know and I I don't know did you learn about did you know about that symptom being like a real significant stomach sign when you were 
I don't remember learning. I, I about don't. That. I don't know because I feel like I don't remember half the stuff we learned in school <laughs> because I don't even time. know if I don't. I like. I don't know if I just blocked that you part say of my that life all the time. <laughs> but that's memory. a pretty important thing. Yeah, but you I know, don't like, think and, it really hit home for me until about five or six years ago. If I'm being well, honest, it hit, well, it hit you before me. Then I, I didn't know about that. I I took me to learning about VM. Going, what does the stomach actually do? Oh, it's if it releases something in full, you know, form. <laughs> Before it's digested, clearly it didn't do its yeah. job. And then you've got the osmotic effect where water follows salt and solute. And so, yeah, then you're getting the irony is you get usually some diarrhea from from that. So it's it's uh yeah, to me, it's like that's a no one maybe wants to talk about it. But look in the toilet. You got undigested food in your stool. Homie doesn't need to worry about SIBO. You know, you got to worry about your stomach at that point. There's something going on. The pylorus is opening way too early focus on that first and then your SIBO yeah. if you want to think about it like that your SIBO will get better it was a virtual appointment so I wasn't doing able to do any hands-on but her next appointment will be in person so I'm hoping to just kind of like get in there and feel a few things around I also gave her a bit of a drainage remedy like a homeopathic drainage remedy for liver and gallbladder as well because there, there was some there was some there was also some telltale signs that was like I think I need to support this as well um but we're not going full force with the gallbladder attack just yet i just wanted to start with simple stomach acid better hydration a yeah. little bit of drops and maybe help her gut recover from the rounds of antibiotics she's recently had because of like these weird infections and then go from there and i was like logical first step guys like we don't have to jump to the whole eradication protocol immediately so SIBO is kind of <laughs> like like a symptom in a sense it's it's a body telling us something's off um, and if it, if it's, if you can understand it a little bit and it, and it gets you to ask for help and to help you, uh, helps you get, uh, more involved in your own care, uh, and understanding more about your own gut health or health in general. Good, good. These are all like pluses. Um, it gives you a bit of a framework to understand an aspect of it. Again, a plus. Yes. Um, and so like, I feel like the average motivation and education of the person who comes in with a kind of SIBO framework, fundamentalist almost SIBO framework, although I am saying fundamentalism of any sort is usually fundamentally flawed. Um, it's it's still better than like not knowing anything at all. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like most things that are like, they're mostly right or they're partially right, but you need to maybe round out the whole more comprehensive approach. I think SIBO as a treatment framework is is more like a framework of thinking is like relating everything to SIBO. I mean, yeah. whenever whenever and all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So like, right. Um, I think that's more the folly that we're getting into here um, as a naturopathic profession. We have to be careful of it anyway. Yeah, to play devil's advocate or or are like are do you and I have a bit of a bias where I think everything is parasites and gallbladder and you ever think everything is stomach but I think yeah, there's also I you do. know so I also want to be mindful of like our own biases sometimes um mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be more aware of that to not just assume everything is that but I also think that um it is important to factor in all the other moving parts of the digestive system and not just get myopic about things. 
from eradication protocol. So I don't think we're doing a disservice. And if someone starts to feel better by getting better stomach acid, great. Now the real question is, is why is our stomach acid not being produced effectively? So you still have to treat that. You still have to ask why. And I pull from our interview with Jonathan Beattie last last week and say, you have to be that five-year-old and just keep like, but why, but why, but why, (laughs) but why, (laughs) right? So that's what makes a good practitioner. Um, Don't drive yourself crazy, but make sure you ask yourself, but why? Because otherwise it still ends up being Band-Aid solutions. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, And just, you know, like, again, like if you got a mouse problem, yeah, you're going to use the traps. It's not like the traps are bad, but you still got to patch up the wall and, you know, tidy up the food. If you've got any, you know, food lying out there yeah, for them, clean up the feces, so, you know, do the, yeah, things. there's a, there is like, there's a lot of analogies in nature for this. Um, and, and if you get those, then I think you get what we're trying to say here is that you can't just pluck the mice out of the trap and, and think that's enough. Why are they coming in? Why is it a, a appealing place to stay? and uh, do that at the same time and you'll have way better results. Yeah. More sustainable results. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hey, Oh, got it. People. Okay. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.